Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get laid. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. Oh, the second double time. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Right, I told the guys this morning, I care about the players, care about their families. I've sat in their seat, man. This sucks, right? I like Frank. I've talked to Frank. We've texted. I love Frank, man. I was working with Frank, right? So I'm working with him every week, talking to him. I, I consider Frank a friend, and I love him. I think he's a heck of a football coach. I got no control over how that – so I understand from their perspective. I've sat in that seat. They love Frank, man. These, that's, his, that's their coach. I mean, they played for this dude. So uh, I don't minimize that at all. I, I care about the staff and their family. These guys work hard. They sacrifice for their families. They sacrifice time, energy, and effort. Like, I know – Equipment room, man, I know media relations. I know training room. Like, you guys act like this is – these are my people, bro. Like, my adult life was forged here, right? Like, my wife and I had – you know, we raised our kids here. Like, these people matter to me. This organization matters to me, right? The people in the community matter to me. I mean, everybody thinks this is, like, flippant. This is, this is not. Like, I care whatever I can do. And when he said, hey, can you help me, Absolutely, I'll help. If somebody called and said, hey, this is an opportunity to say, you know, for, for the people who are in this room and in this building, would you do it? Absolutely, I'm going to do it, right? And I, I had to make sure my wife was on board. She and I talked about it, prayed about it. I called him back, and I said, let's do it, right? And that was it. Just for great, that was at 1 o'clock in the morning. Like, Ursay carries different hours than me, right? He's a lot later. But it was like 1 or, or, or something that you, will you consider. And I said, hey, my wife and I, and then he and Chris talked and had a conversation and did whatever. But I had no idea how it was going to flow through. Just didn't, just didn't know. And it was, a, it was a whirlwind, man, and is what it is now. I'm here and trying to, trying to beat Las Vegas. I mean, that's, that's the focus at this point. That's Jeff Saturday from earlier today, that press conference, as he is into his first practice as the interim head coach of the Colts. JMV, the ride with JMV, and on a Wednesday here until a little bit after 6, and uh, loaded up and ready to go. Now, I think this is the type of day, right? With what you just heard, we kind of start moving to, and we got the lasting effects of Mike Chappell talking to Frank Reich yesterday, and then finding out that Frank was dismissed as the head coach by Jim Irsay over the phone, which is indeed beyond lame. No doubt about it. That's beyond lame. You got to get up and you got to go someplace and you got to do this thing face to face, don't you? 
Uh, we learned that yesterday from Mike. We learned the situation with Frank. I think a lot of it we also probably felt was going to be the case because you get dismissed in the fashion that he did in midseason, and there are going to be some hurt feelings about it. All of us would feel the same way, unless you're Steve Nash. And then you probably felt, hallelujah, I'm the hell out of here. But it's time now, I think, kind of, to move forward and start thinking about what in this world are we going to see coming up on Sunday? Does anybody have any reasonable expectations this, for whatever circumstances that this game against the Raiders goes decently? Does it play a role because the Raiders are as bad as the Colts? Maybe not as bad as the Colts played offensively on Sunday, but is there a role in there? We shall see what these guys are about coming up on Sunday. These players saying all the right things today, you would expect nothing less. Now, it's interesting. You hear that, and then you hear some other stuff like there's not um, a great deal of cohesion going on in the locker room because all of this upheaval, but I would expect that. I would have expected that after they benched Matt Ryan for the remainder of the season. I would expect that when they bring in a former six-round pick as their quarterback and install him as the quarterback for the remainder of the season. And then with what has gone down, and this week, not only did you get rid of your head coach, And then you bring in Jeff Saturday, who clearly has ties here, and everybody loves, and I guess everybody at that press conference today was pretty fired up regarding his words. That's always going to be part of it. Right now, you can feel, hey, wham, man, that guy, I'll go run through a wall. But will you? Because everybody in that locker room knew what? Everybody in that locker room knew that something was amiss here. That somebody could, as I have said, fall on the proverbial sword because of the low level of play, especially offensively. And that's what you got to think about. You got to think about that game on Sunday and knowing where this organization was headed. Hearing all the conversations about what if. And then going out and playing the way, and this is not on the defense, this is on the offense, but going out and playing the way offensively in which they did. Knowing the situation around here. And there is no doubt they're more in tune with the overall unhappiness of the owner than certainly we are. And that's the product that you got on Sunday. Anybody out there trust these guys? To change things around, I mean, do you wave a magic wand and then all of a sudden this offensive line looks anywhere near how they're supposed to? Does anybody believe that? Anybody buy into it? Right now, right now you have to have, and people make light of it, people make fun of it. Right now you have to have words. Right now, you have to have words, and you have to, like a great song, name a song that you love when that lead singer is hitting all the right notes. The lead guitarist is doing the same thing. And how you embrace it, 
You embrace it in the moment, and it's memorable for you. But in this case, the memory will not be long-lasting if you see a semblance offensively, for example, what you saw on Sunday, or if you see more of the same. So words are okay right now. Words are necessary. Words are necessary, even if you're not telling the entirety of the truth, words are necessary to help you get over where you are, to help clarify. I mean, even if it's not complete and utter truth, give you a great example. So last night, apparently, Jim Ursay felt compelled to call Mike Chappell and Bob Kravitz because you know that all he's been hearing and reading and seeing over the past 48 hours is how his team is in the tank and how he handled this. And how in the future, like what I have said, in the future, when you get football guys in there, let the football guys handle it. If you embrace the great era that we talked about yesterday on this show with a guy like Jeff Saturday or Peyton Manning, Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, Dwight Freeney, Robert Mathis, then play the role as you played during that era. Just be the owner that loves the fact that your team is successful and let the football people do the football things. This can't be a Jerry Jones-esque experience any longer. That has to end. But clearly he got sick and tired of hearing what people were talking about, reading what people were saying, so he wanted to set the record straight with both Bob and Mike last night. And you come to find out that, you know, something we talked about yesterday was if you really truly wanted to win, would you start Sam Ellinger on Sunday? If you were going to truly give yourself the best chance to win, does Ellinger start? And I know that we've seen it, but if you have a healthy Matt Ryan, would you play him? I asked yesterday, would you play Nick Foles? Tony Dungy went on Dan Patrick's show and basically said, if you're really trying to win, you would be playing Nick Foles and not Sam Ellinger. And clearly, that was pri- that was probably the breaking point for Jim Mersey saying, all right, I want to get my message out there because I think what I'm hearing, what I am seeing, what I am reading across the board is a bunch of BS. You cannot dismiss any of this as BS from anybody, from those that cover, from the fans, from anybody, until we see the product on Sunday. I will give them this. It makes that game on Sunday much more watchable, stratospherically really more watchable than what you saw product-wise this past Sunday. Uh, let's face it. A lot of you, after that Sunday loss, 26-3 to in Foxborough, how many of you said, you know what, the hell with this, I'm checking out. This is a joke. No way that I'm going to dedicate another Sunday watching this clown show. I'm done. I'm over it. Now, you said that on Sunday when they were getting worked over by Bill Belichick. What's your thought on Wednesday now? What's your thought? And even if you disagree with the path that they're taking right now, what is your thought compared to how you felt at the end of that game on Sunday? I'm betting a much higher percentage of you are going to be tuned in, are going to be locked in, because you want to see one of two things. You want to see that this decision makes sense and that actually plays out on the field. Oh, well, wait a minute. Jim Mercer is a good idea right here. Look at the inspiration. 
or you want to see this thing fail spectacularly because many of you expect that. Many of you expect a discombobulated mess, and I can't tell you that I don't either. I mean, you get a new guy that's never play calling in Parks Frazier. Jeff Saturday on the sideline that's never been there. Can you imagine for a moment? I know he's played. I know he's played at the highest level. He was talking about it. Now, he was in tune with this particular team, but it's still not going down on the sideline wearing a headset and being responsible for game-changing moments, game-winning, game-losing moments. This may be the most interesting game by a long shot of the season. A lot of you would suggest you go back to week number one when the expectations were all there and you were just glad football was back. I wonder how this game, I wonder how this decision with this game and what you're going to see or what you plan on seeing, either the negative or the positive plays a role compared to how most of you during that game this past Sunday said, you know what, screw this, I'm done. And I didn't blame you. I do not blame you. Getting back to Jim Ursay for a moment, too. He felt compelled last night to set the record straight. But again, nobody is clearly going to stop having an opinion in the negative until you see, and it may not be this week, maybe it's next week, maybe it's further in the season, but there is no argument. The way that this has been handled has been clownish across the board. The Monday night press conference, I said this yesterday, looked like a performance. Now, all that's passed. Now it's time to see what they have polished into any sort of product for Sunday. And I'm ready for that. I clearly think you guys are ready for that as well. All right, now it's time to start talking about if this team is actually trying to win a game. All right, now prove it. Prove you're not tanking. Prove that you don't believe the season is over. If Sam Ellinger is going to start, have Sam Ellinger prove that he deserves to start. He deserves to get reps over guys that have been there and done that, a former MVP, a former Super Bowl champion. Not just rolling a dude out there because the owner believes in the dude. That's where we're moving. Now we're moving down the direction where the proof is going to be at least for this week coming up on Sunday. And everything that has happened, all of our opinions that have happened, and I stand by, by the way, all of them, I know what Jeff Saturday said today about he has no idea what is going to be in the future. Yeah, certainly nothing etched in stone. I do believe that something is somewhat etched in stone. if not written on something where he's going to have a gig here. I think if they either have, let's just say, for example, they have a modest level of success. And given the standard in which we have seen so far, I don't know how much that would take. Seems like you guys have been conditioned to take anything right now. Think how excited you were in that first start about Ellinger. I thought he was fine. You guys wanted to give him a Super Bowl MVP. The bar is not set that high right now. So chances are against a two-win Raiders team that has been as disappointing as anybody across the NFL landscape, chances are if you can put something together on Sunday, you could look good 
during a week in which really, really it looked like a great deal of discombobulation. Like Norman Dale, I know what I'm doing. Nobody else understands what you're doing. Nobody else believes in what you're doing. But you believe your decision-making and your system is going to prove in the longer term to be accurate. That gauge starts on Sunday, even if you did have three days to work. Even if you are getting used to it. Even if you do have a play caller that's not done it. And a play caller in Parks Frazier, there's going to be something else to watch coming up on Sunday. I am. I'm ready to move forward. Talk about exactly what you expect to see. I guess it's going to be entertaining. It's funny, the entertainment of off-the-field discombobulation does have a shelf life. And let's face it, the past 48 hours probably gave us some entertainment value that the team was unable to positively give us so far this season. But at the same time, it has a shelf life. When you look around and you see the rest of those that cover the NFL taking pot shots at everybody around here, I mean, we want to call this thing a clown show the past 48 hours, then so be it. But I don't imagine you'll want to hear the guys on Get Up talking about how clownish it is. At least if we're going to be critical, we'll be critical of our own here. You don't want to see anybody else swooping in for a big story because that's basically the only time anybody nationally ever swoops in here if it's a big story. What I'm saying is, I think you take it better when you hear it from me. You may not like it, you may not agree with it, but I think you take it better when you hear it from me because you know that I'm invested. We here are invested. Those that are on Get Up or whatever other ESPN show or Fox show or Jack Assery program that you're watching or listening to, they swoop in and they swoop out of here. This time, and then it's gone. They don't care. We're the ones that are invested. You're the ones that are invested. You're going to the games. I mean, hell, you're going to party before the games with me. We're the ones that are invested. And if somebody's going to be critical about this product, it would stand to reason that you would take it better from those that are around it on a daily basis and truly do care about it. That's us. But I'm ready to move on. Who's with me? There are going to be a lot of rumors. We're not going to get away from that. And again, I'll stand by everything I've said in the past two days regarding where this is going, how this came together, and my feeling on it. You know, it's tough really to trust them something because you've seen the product so far and it hadn't worked. So now you think that all of a sudden because you've got this week that things are going to change. In all likelihood, they won't, but you do get a fresh idea out of it. It gives you a level of interest that you did not have. Again, when they run out on the field on Sunday, it's the same old team that in large part has completely disappointed you this year. And we've heard buzzwords like urgency. 
and what they need to do, what they need to do to collect themselves and to play better and to anywhere near live up to the expectations that most of us had on this season. But for this weekend, it's one of two things. You were either glad to see the freshness, the newness of what's going on, and you're interested to see how it's going to go down, or you're a complete non-believer. You think this organization right now is in shambles, and you're going to sit back and watch it come crumbling down against the two-win team in Vegas on Sunday. One of two things working here. Even with that, talk to me about it. 239-1070, I got plenty of time for you to chat it up with me regarding this, regarding what Jeff Saturday said. And uh, Jonathan Taylor, by the way, back at practice today. Uh, we'll sit on some of those comments and talk with you about it coming up as the show moves along. Pacers Nuggets coming up later on tonight. That should be good. 7 o'clock. The Pacers have been incredibly enjoyable to watch. Hopefully... The Bally Sports Indiana thing is working for you. If you're unlike me and I have DirecTV or AT&T, I don't even know what it is. But I know that I'm going to get it each and every night. Don't giggle. But I know that I'm going to get it each and every night, so it's always good. I, I pay a lot of money for it, and it's ridiculous, and you guys would all cringe. But I just want to know that whenever I turn it on, it's going to be where it is, and I don't have to deal with this thing that's going in circles and is buffering and any of that crap. That would drive me insane. But hopefully so far that in whatever means in which you are watching this product, you have enjoyed it. Because there is something to be said about that enjoyment. People had asked me, and, for example, they always ask me about Miles Turner, both good and bad. And to me, the difference has been with the games he's played well. I think, what, how many has he played? He's played well in three of five. Is that how many he's been a part of? Five games? So he's had 37, 27, and 16. And then he had a crap water game against Brooklyn. I think that first game back, he looked completely gassed against the Bulls, right? Was that the Bulls game he was in? What was that here? I can't remember. Anyway, I think he's been in five, right, so far? People ask me all the time, all right, in those those moments in which he's played well, what do you think the difference is? And the difference is Tyrese Halliburton as a point guard, a real point guard and an elite-level passer. And when they go high ball screen, and when Miles from that high ball screen dives into the paint toward the rim, that he believes he's going to get the ball. He expects to get the ball. If you watch any of those games in the past, especially when a guy like Malcolm Brogdon was running it, you can just tell he knew he wasn't going to get it, and most of the time he didn't. And that can create different challenging matchups for the opposing defense. I think that's been re-energizing, at least from what I have seen in the games in which he has had success, Kyle. Through five games, he's averaged 18.4 points a game, eight rebounds, 50% from the floor, and 40% from three. And you'll take that. He may have a bad game tonight, and I'll have to take it, which is always the case. It's nothing different. I think the difference is between me and a lot of you is I'll stand up and own it and sit there and go back and forth with you, and a lot of you go hide behind the furniture when he has a good game because you are wimpy. Not me. I'm there. 
I'm there and I watch. I love basketball. And I can't lie, there is an interest with this group in watching them develop and then thinking about some of the decisions they are going to be forced into making here relatively soon. And I'm not even suggesting 33. I'm talking about a guy like Buddy Heald. Everybody's been so quick to want to ship him off. And then when you think about it, what's Buddy Heald shooting from three right now? In this day and age of anything in basketball, and especially the NBA, can you justify trading somebody that shoots the three ball at 42%? Anybody justify that? Are you rethinking your position if you did believe he was going to get traded? This thing is about shooters. If you can't shoot, you can't play. There's a lot of truth to that, and that's really on every level now. There are some exceptions to the rule. Don't get me wrong. But if you can't shoot in this era of basketball, more than likely you're going to be grabbing some pine. So what do you do with Heald? All those questions we'll ask J.J. Jeremiah Johnson of Valley Sports Indiana is going to join us coming up at the bottom of the hour. Uh, Bowen was at the press conference earlier today. He's going to join us coming up at the 4 o'clock hour. Frank Reich was fired over the phone. I'm sure we'll dive into that. At least for the portion of practice from the angle during practice that they were able to see how that went down today. We'll get his expectations and we'll mix that up with my expectations coming up on Sunday. I'm just there for the entertainment value. I think this team has shown itself football-wise, not to be good this year, but I can't lie. I am there for the entertainment value. I do want to see what this might be like. If it's surprisingly good, then great. If this thing twists into an absolute circusy mess, I'm sure I'll be entertained by that as well. Talk to Kevin Bowen about that in the 4 o'clock hour. Vic Tafer, the athletic rights for the Raiders, going to join us in the 5 o'clock hour because if there's been a team, much like the Colts, that also has been a mess this season, it's been the Raiders. So many 17-point-plus leads blown and games lost. Get his thoughts on the season so far in Las Vegas for the Raiders with Vic coming up here in the 5 o'clock hour. All right, 239-1070. Email the address is jmv at 1070thefan.com. Show's on Twitter at jmv1070. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Shout out to Carson Steele last night. I know Ball State didn't win, but the former Center Grove standout was a stud last night in Maction on ESPN. I got to go play a little hoop, got home in time, and I watched a couple of offenses knock around ugly. Late in that game at Toledo last night, but watching Carson Steele play was awesome. So a shout-out to Carson Steele. Shout-out to the Boilermakers for their win last night. Braden Smith from Westfield. Lawyer. Newman. Josh, you know, you, you think about guys on this team that you really expect to perform this year. And, guys, they, guys I mean, look at so many. 
So we'll get to that coming up a little bit later on as well. All right, 239-1070. Email the address at jmv at 1070thefan.com. Shows on Twitter at jmv1070. Inside the lounge via YouTube Live. Stream, app, HD radio, and 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. JMV does not suck at all. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Yeah, maybe a little bit, Blake. But I did bring in leftover cheese sticks for everybody today. I would beg the question. Cheese sticks that clearly have been in the oven and have been prepared and now are left over. If you don't have an air fryer here like we don't, what do you do with them? Do you just leave them there, or do you put yeah, them in the you, microwave you and no. eat some melted cheese? You can't microwave them. It's air fryer or trash. No. For I, leftover mozzarella sticks? Yeah. Come on now. Come on now. It's melted cheese. Don't we all love melted cheese? Who out there doesn't like melted cheese? It's still just melted cheese. If it's been sitting out for about 24 hours. But it's melted cheese. It's like A1. Uh, it doesn't matter. You could put A1 on a shoe. And the shoe would taste good. It's just not worth melted it. Melted cheese. What is wrong with microwaving cheese sticks? Come on. Kinetical water question of the day. Hey, by the way, guys, I believe that there is a blue check-marked Elon Musk, Adam Schefter, fake fraudulent account going around right now we're gonna all have to be extra careful i think dealing in some of this and believe me i don't care i sure as hell don't want to pay eight dollars for anything if i'm gonna pay eight dollars for something it's gonna be fish and more at long john silvers it's not going to be a blue check mark but you guys are all uh giving me this josh mcdaniel story and this particular Adam Schefter is Adam Schefter not. <laughs> Adam Schefter not. We're all going to have to work together in this new world. Yeah, $8. Is the fish and more meal at Long John Silver's 8 bucks? That's legit. I pay eight bucks for that. Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. He is a part of the Bally Sports Indiana Pacers crew. Pre, post, halftime, in game, all the knowledge, the great suits, the incredible attire. Jeremiah Johnson is with us. What's up, buddy? Did the fish and more include mozzarella sticks? I always ask for extra hush puppies, but I wasn't sure if mozzarella sticks were part of the more. You know, I love hush puppies. I do. Unfortunately, Long John Silver's is one of those places which I would love, but you can only go there occasionally. You know what I mean? You can't. You, you can go there. You can overwork that a little bit, I think, can't you? Occasionally, when you're still a growing boy. So I don't know that I've been there since I was in my twenties. Um, enjoyed it as a kid, and I think the fish and more was about two ninety nine when I would go, and I'm sure it's more like eight ninety nine right now. But I was. I enjoyed that blast from the past as you brought up a little Long John Silver. Let me tell you this, JJ. If Long John Silvers would be smart enough to bring back, not at all their locations, but some of them, 
the like pier looking dock looking setup when you used to walk into that thing. If you oh, brought yeah, that, that back, awesome. if you brought that back, I think that that would probably give you an uptick in those going into your establishment. I would because here's the one thing that I know, and this is everybody. Everybody embraces the past. I embrace the past. I don't know about Kyle. He may not. I know you embrace the past. Jim Irsay clearly embraces the past. We all <laughs> embrace the past, right? Pacers fans embrace exactly. the past. So why not Lon John Silvers? Go back to when everybody truly loved it. You know, get those old varnish looking inside an old boat benches and tables on the inside. A little wear and tear on them a little bit. Put the vinegar drip on all the tables. Yeah, bring that back and just maybe, just maybe you'd get an up, uptick in sales at Lon John Silver's. Absolutely. I mean, Rick Carlisle is the Pacers coach. I mean, that's a blast from the past. Yes. People are enjoying that. He loves it. You know, you put a rack right next to the Long John Silvers. I think we'd all enjoy that as oh, well. If you put a rack there, I'd be, if you put a racks next to Long John Silvers around here, nobody's going to walk into Long John Silvers. That'd be the problem. <laughs> <laughs> big, big time problem right there. Hey, um, what, what do you make of this five and five team? I know they get Denver coming up later on tonight. That is going to be an interesting test to say the least. But we've all been conditioned, I think, through the first ten J Day to say that this team is fun to watch. All right, let's get beyond how it's been fun to watch. What has been your impression that may have surprised you through the first ten games of the season? You know, I was thinking about this yesterday before my podcast with Pat Boylan, and the one thing that's not a statistic or even an individual player performance that stands out to me that's a little different this season than really any season I can recall is that when the other team makes a run, really quickly the Pacers put a stop to that run and kind of stay in the game, and they don't hang their heads. There's no one on this team that really gets down. I mean, they some of them get kind of fiery in the huddle, and there are some vocal conversations when you know a timeout is, is called by Rick Carlisle and the Pacers have to make some adjustments. But it seems like more often than not, when the other team goes on a 7-0 run or maybe 9-2, timeout's called, order's restored, and then the Pacers answer with a run of their own. And I think part of that is just the youthful energy and enthusiasm. They all have a lot of confidence, even if maybe the opponents don't take them as seriously as they should. And the way they play – they can get back in the games pretty quickly because of the fast-paced style and, and what Tyrese Halliburton and, and some of those young guards are able to do. They can make plays defensively. They still have some things to work on on that end of the floor, but I've just not seen these dreadful quarters that we, we, we saw so much in the past. And it's, it's a 7-0 run or a 9-2 run, and then you get back into the game, and you're never out of it. I mean, even down 24 in Brooklyn – after you beat the Nets, you got back into the game and had three shots in the fourth quarter that would have taken the lead and, and perhaps gotten you the win. Uh, JJ's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. To your point, I think it was in the fourth quarter the other night in that win where um, you saw Heald and Halliburton kind of after a turnover, I think it was. I couldn't remember if it was Heald that threw the pass that Halliburton didn't get to or vice versa, where they were kind of going at one another about it and then kind of dropped it right after that. So there is certainly a competitive spirit amongst these players, at least from what we've seen in this 5-5 five and five start. Yeah, the care factor is there. That's what you want more than anything. And I've seen a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of interest, and I, they're not afraid to speak up when the situation calls for it. But those two players specifically, they have a pass together. I mean, Tyrese and Buddy, you know, they came over from, from Sacramento. And so they're probably used to, 
you know, one each other, maybe occasionally making a mistake or making the wrong play and, and setting them straight and then getting back on track a little bit. So um, that's, that's kind of the big picture observation. Other than that, you can look at a lot of statistical categories and it's probably too early to make too much of it, but, but 10 games is not the smallest of sample sizes and the Pacers are near the top of a number of offensive categories that lead to winning basketball. I mean, they're up there in assists. They're, they're three point attempts and percentages, top 10, top two in attempts and top nine in percentage. And that's what Rick Carlisle has been striving for to get those good looks, to be able to have guys that can knock them down. I mean, in the last four games to have one game, make 22 and one game, make 23, you're going to win a lot of games when you make at least 23 pointers in a night. Yeah, no doubt about that, too. It's uh, JJ with us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. The Nuggets 7-3 and three right now. I'm assuming with uh, Caldwell Nope and Murray, Porter Jr., Gordon, the rest here, everybody healthy going into this game tonight, or do you know? Yeah, as far as I understand, they're as healthy as really they've ever been. I and mean, that's been the one thing with the Denver Nuggets that has kept them from making sustained playoff runs is they just can't stay healthy. And even last year, Michael Porter Jr., I think, only played nine games, and, and Jamal Murray didn't play at all. And so those two guys, along with Jokic, to me, make them one of the top two or three threats to come out of the Western Conference. So I'm, I'm really excited about this matchup. The Pacers have had two games on the homestand against teams that you would go into the season and say that's a team that's um, built for success right now. Miami was the number one seed last year. New Orleans with Zion is a team that can challenge for, I think, a top four seed out West, and you won both of those games. And you get another opportunity tonight. And the two-time reigning MVPs in town. So there are, there's a lot to look forward to in this matchup. Well, and I know he's not athletic, but Porter Jr. and Gordon are, and Murray's uh, a dead-eye shooter. I, I'm not the biggest fan. I mentioned Caldwell Nope. I'm not the biggest fan of his. But across the board, this is a, a talented, high-volume type of scoring team, especially on a night when they're on. Yeah, and I look forward to seeing some of the adjustments, what the Pacers try to do. Um, we don't know for sure about Aaron Neesmith, but he was trending in the right direction. And I think, as Rick Carlisle said yesterday, there's a chance he could play. So you would you would definitely welcome any of your wing defenders to be able to help with the athleticism and talent that the Nuggets have. But one of the things that I'm interested to watch is some of these elite teams coming into Indianapolis and to take on um, the Pacers squad that didn't have a lot of expectations coming into the year. If you take the Pacers for granted at all you'll you'll walk out of here with the loss and I'm not saying the Pelicans took the Pacers for granted but you know they were coming off an overtime game I believe against Atlanta and you know maybe it's just you think okay you're going to get a win if you do that against the Pacers they'll make you pay and so we'll see if the Nuggets bring the the proper mindset or if if we've got a you know really good game and an opportunity for the Pacers to win their four straight at home. Uh, J.J., a handful of these so-called tanking teams actually have played well. I mean, even under 500, I think San Antonio's played better than what people had expected. I think the Pacers are right there. And make no mistake, at 9-3 and three out west, who would have thought Utah in their first 12 games would look like this? Yeah, it's a very watchable product right now, I think, across the NBA. I'm a little disappointed that nationally and even on some of the nba platforms like you know nba radio or some of the the programming that they're they're forced to spend so much time talking about some of the drama but if you just sit down and watch some of these games and maybe even as you mentioned some of the teams that you didn't have the high expectations for they're bringing it every single night and you've got to give credit to teams like the jazz you mentioned san antonio i mean they went and won at philadelphia and there's a lot of parity as well. I looked at the standings. It's too early to really make anything in the standings, but 
look at how many teams right now, 10 games in, are either between four and six or six and four. The Pacers are right there at five and five. And so I do think it's a really good start for the league, and uh, you just want guys to stay healthy and to be able to see if some of the young players, specifically on the Pacers, if they can have some sustained success. Um, I, listen, I think we've all seen Matherin, and now you you expect nightly something from Matherin. One of the questions I had regarding the rookie class, and as much as I watched him and I loved watching him play and I watched basically all of his games while he was at Gonzaga, was Andrew Nemhard, And I thought that he would take a little bit of time, certainly more time than this, being able to translate his game to the uh, faster pace. And I know Gonzaga played at a quick pace, but just some games collegiately, and for example, against Baylor in the national title game a couple of years ago, he kind of got overwhelmed. That has not at all been the case through the first 10 games for Nimhart, the rookie out of Gonzaga. Not at all. Yeah, I mean, he's not the first person you'll mention when you talk about the first 10 games, but he deserves to be in the first paragraph because I watched him in training camp, and, you know, I was thinking he's the third point guard. As long as T.J. McConnell is here, he's probably going to get the backup point guard minutes, and I didn't have the expectation that early in the season we would see a lot from Andrew Nemort. I kind of thought, like you, maybe he'd learn from Halliburton, he'd learn from McConnell, and probably eventually he might be the second point guard. But the biggest thing that we've seen is, he can be on the court with Halliburton. He can be on the court with McConnell or by himself as the point guard. And so that allows him to play more. And then the one thing that really I don't think you have any idea how a college player is going to translate defensively, but you've got to put him right now as one of your best backcourt defenders on your team right now. And that was evident by Rick Carlisle having him guard Tyler Hero in the final minutes of the game where Tyler Hero was almost – only outside threat that they had besides maybe Struce. So um, it's it's a great start to a rookie season. It's looking like a phenomenal draft selection at number 31 in the first pick of the second round. And in just getting to know him briefly now over the first month of the season, I really like his attitude. And you can tell why he's able to succeed because he doesn't have any fear. He's got a little bit of cockiness, not too much, and he definitely respects his elders and those that have you know been there in the NBA. But he has a lot of confidence in himself. And I think playing some of those big games in Gonzaga really did help him just embrace the moment and the stage to where nothing is too big for him. And that says a lot for a guy that was drafted in the second round and is just a rookie. All right, what time you guys hit the airwaves tonight? 6.30, is that accurate? Yeah, back to mostly normal 6.30 Pacers live pregame, 7 o'clock tip. There were some staggered starts on Monday as 15 games on the schedule and, and staggering to try to get the message out for everyone to vote on Tuesday. So we were a little unusual on Monday, but back to normal 6.30 with Eddie in the loft and then game coverage just after 7 o'clock. Hey, tell 33, tell 33 to keep getting it done for me. All right? Let's string a couple together here, 33. Tell him that. That is the goal. String a couple together. I, mean, I don't think anyone is expecting 37 again, but just to be productive and active on both ends, I think it is important that he's fully healthy right now, and yep. we're going to have a sustained period of time where he can be that center on the floor that he, he's been wanting you know, for a number of years, and hard to have a better performance on both ends than he had on Monday night. No doubt about that. String a couple together. You watch my Twitter after a Miles okay. game. Do you enjoy looking uh, at that? 
I enjoy different times. I mean, I can't say I search your your mentions on a, a night after that, but maybe I should. You should. So after a good game, is what is it like? Um, I tell everybody to blank off. <laughs> <laughs> Do you ever tag him? Nah, nah, I'm not going to bring him into that. So, okay, yeah, I'm not going to do that. So this is just, it, it's, it, it really has developed into a great deal of fun for me. So, yeah, I'm not going to do that. So I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm jacking around a little bit, but uh, I have well, fun with it. Either way, I have fun, fun with it. But I'd, I'd rather see the positive of it so I can do more of the blank off stuff than, you know, like tonight if he goes seven and five, what that's going to look like. So. Well, yeah, don't expect 37. I mean, that's a little unrealistic, and I don't think scoring – that's not even what Rick Carlisle wants. I mean, he's been yeah. pretty clear in that the scoring aspect is not what Miles is, you know, on the floor for. It's a part of it, and he can stretch the floor. And as you saw the other night, his ability to hit threes just opens things up for everyone else. But continue to provide rim protection, uh, run the floor, be vocal on defense. That's – that's what he's going to continue to make his money in the NBA doing and then occasionally have a big night like we saw on Monday. And those are the nights that JMV really loves. High high screen and roll with Halliburton. If they keep that up, that, that to me, redirects his game. It does because now he's in there with an elite-level willing passer, and that's not how it's been in the past year. I'm not sure that he's been told to roll to the basket very much. And Rick Carlisle even mentioned after practice yesterday, when asked about Miles Turner, he said, we told him to roll to the basket. And so I think it's been a little bit of a learning curve for Miles. But the other thing that I'll mention is late in that game, the Pelicans went small and they were, you know, CJ McCollum and other guards, they were saying, you know, do something with this. And early in the Miami game, Kyle Lowry was matched up against Miles. And, you know, there have been times that that's the best strategy against yeah. the Pacers. Well, it wasn't good strategy on Monday. And so that, that to me, was a big step forward in the fact that time and time again with a smaller player on him, Tyrese Halliburton and other guards were, were throwing in the ball and he was either getting fouled or, you know, for the most part finishing or occasionally he'd get it and then kick it right back out. So we'll see if the, the team still implement that strategy. But if they don't, that's that's a big benefit to the Pacers. Hey, tell Denary I'll be waiting on his midnight call tonight, like he called Monday night after the game at midnight. I'll be waiting. I'll be up. With you. Let me guess. He's the one to talk about a press conference that was going on the same time. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. There, I don't think there was a great deal of happiness there about uh, the timing of all that, but uh, whatever. That's true. It's yeah. all done right now. All right. We'll be watching tonight, buddy. I appreciate you. Well, I know you've had a lot to talk about, so I'm glad you fit a little Pacers in during this uh, crazy week. <laughs> Always, man. Always. <laughs> so, Jeremiah right. Johnson, Bally Sports Indiana, later on tonight, 6.30, the pregame show begins. JJ, thank you very much. Quick one, back with you next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Collect them, trade them, or just enjoy them. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. And hey, JJ, you got the Pacers Nuggets coming up later on tonight. 6.30 coverage begins right here. I don't We may have a little anything goes. Do you know what amount of time we have after six yet? I do not know that yet. Oh, man. We will I see. I think an anything goes tonight would be great. I think you guys would be locked and loaded for an anything goes. Yeah, by the way, if you're watching via 
YouTube Live right now. This is the uh, Great Street Dreams located in Trafalgar, Indiana. My man Jerry B. in the house. Thank you for the gear right there. Street Dreams in Trafalgar, the gear that I'm rocking in studio. Tomorrow we're going to be up in Castleton, Joe's Grill. That's going to be me and Brent Halverson and Nally. We will change it up a little bit because I think Halverson has to bail around four. We're going to do our Larcity Bourbon Locks and Luna Azul Tequila Shots for week number 10 at some point around 3.30. And we'll readjust from there. But that's coming up tomorrow. Again, Joe's Grill, Castleton, Larcity Bourbon Locks, Luna Azul Tequila Shots. Hey, have you noticed my fantasy team is just whipping major ass? Now that I said that, I'll lose on Sunday. You know what? I'm going to go because all of you are going to be on me regarding Miles coming up tonight after that 37-point effort and going up against the uh, two-time league MVP this evening. I'm going to reverse it. I'm going to do a little Costanza act right here. He's, he's going to stink tonight. Just stink. I was going to say, last time you yeah. you uh, were happy about your fantasy team, I think you lost three games in I a did, row. I did, yeah, I did. Like by half a point. Stink. Stink, I say. Costanza, I'm counting on you right here. I need the opposite. Stink. Westside Pub coming up on Friday. Get your chance to see Eagles and Colts matching up on a Sunday, which will be the home debut on an interim basis as head coach for Jeff Saturday. Spud Light Blue Friday, Westside Pub off of Morris on Friday. Love to see you there on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Right now, it is um, Kevin Bowen, the morning show, Kevin and Query, weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. right here on The Fan. I'll be honest with you, and I know a lot of people want to make light about, you know, all it is is a press conference and all there is just talking. All right. To all the numb nuts that say that out there, we, we, okay, they don't play until Sunday, so we know that. We can't put a true gauge on what this is going to look like until Sunday. But there is something to be said about what is said during a press conference and how you hit all the right notes during that your initial press conference in that first practice and I thought Jeff Saturday did if nothing else that today yeah and that's the vibe John I got from talking to guys in the locker room about the first team meeting which I think is kind of another step to what you're talking about this is a vastly different personality personality energy level um, leader frankly than Frank Reich I think a lot of qualities that Frank Reich possessed that were really, really strong. I don't think you would have called him some super outgoing, energy, passionate leader. I, I just don't think that's how he's wired. Jeff Saturday's wired that way. Um, he's always been. Part of it is probably, you know, just from that offensive line background. He said it before, you know, I'm a screamer. I'm a little bit of a louder voice just in general. And I think a question, anytime you see a team start to go down – the path the Colts were going down, and a guy's been at the helm for the amount of time that Frank Reich's been the head coach, five years, you think to yourself, is that message getting stale? Are players no longer reacting in the same way that maybe they once were? And if you look at the results, there's a lot to point to that could say that's true. I mean, you got off to awful starts this season. You continually get off to awful starts two seasons in general. Um, and then this year – the big change from previous right teams is you've been really poor out of the gate of games. 
just no urgency whatsoever, no matter what was at stake. Divisional games, road games, um, slow starts, all over. Um, so, yes, for Wednesday afternoon, this is what we have to go off of. Obviously, who knows if it'll matter, uh, because I don't think the product on the field is giving you much reason for hope this season. But without question, it is a much different type of leader. I thought a word that was interesting um, out of the locker room today, I'm trying to think who it was, Okereke maybe. Um, maybe it was Ellinger, actually. Sam Ellinger used the word. He was very transparent Jeff Saturday talking to the team. Um, I think he's been pretty honest with them of like, guys, I know how this looks. And I can fully acknowledge that I was just as stunned as you were when Jim Irsay called me. But I'm going to try and do everything I can to, um, you know, whatever, be the leader that, that you guys need, and, and hopefully it'll lead to results. I think it's really important for Saturday to kind of lay that out there because guys will see through any sort of fakeness. Um, and, and I think Saturday, again, on a Wednesday for his first team meeting, he was able to do that. Yeah, and you had to hit the right note with that. I mean, you, you just did, and then then we will properly and fairly gauge how this product looks in Vegas coming up on Sunday and move along. And I will say this. Uh, because this team has been incredibly boring and very disappointing, the off-the-field stuff has certainly led to a level of entertainment value that the on-the-field product has not been providing at all. <laughs> that is uh, that is 100% true. Tonight's the uh, 2022 Hard Knocks debut, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, I'm Are they sure on HBO it again? Man, HBO's going to be kicking their own ass for not having them this I year. Yeah, I think it's Arizona Cardinals. Is that right? Um, so yeah, a little. Just they they could have caught. Days. They could have caught Jim Mersey with a ten in the morning phone call to Frank Reich firing him and all that stuff. Right. Or yeah. Or if you would have had a camera in the Foxborough press box on Sunday, I guess you could have got <laughs> or in the uh, owners' <laughs> yes, box, you could have got Jim Mersey calling Jeff Saturday. Ellinger just got <laughs> sacked again. What are you seeing here? <laughs> I'll call you later about the head coaching job. <laughs> Oh, that is that um, is so good it, right there, John. I my I've always found this interesting because I don't think my mom usually like qualifies as this sort of person, but my mom and I think still is obsessed with like soap operas, uh, Days of Our Lives, As the World Turns. Oh, yeah, I was a Days of Our Lives guy back in the day. I had a huge crush on Hope. I always hoped that somehow her rack would fall. That never did though. It always stayed in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Shocking that NBC wouldn't allow <laughs> no, for that to happen. Come but, on, I was just, I was, and see, that's like it's so easy to get that now, but back then, that's all. Just the you know, the, the occasional cleave is all we really had to hang our hat on with our four channels. You don't know how inspirationally lucky you guys are to have grown up yeah. when you did. Yeah, yeah, very grateful to be a millennial. Listen, where, a, where, a smidge where, of cleave, man, a smidge of cleave, and I was satisfied back in the day. <laughs> Uh, but I bring that up because, I mean, right now the Colts are a soap opera. Uh, they're mm. a soap opera, they are. and the owner is a huge, huge reason why, to be perfectly honest with you. So it's wild to think back of the four significant moves you've made. And, and yeah, obviously the four of them have different levels of significance, but just think back on this last month. Um, you know, you, I guess in order, you benched Matt Ryan for a guy that's never thrown a pass in the NFL and Sam Ellinger. You fired Marcus Brady, and the interim is a guy in Parks Frazier, who I actually, we can get into this, I actually am somewhat intrigued by it, but 
Parks Frazier has never been a position coach in college for the NFL. Um, you traded Naheem Hines. The replacement, Jordan Wilkins, hasn't, hadn't carried the ball before Sunday in 23 months. And then the last of those four moves, obviously, is the firing of Frank Reich. And, you know, I was waiting for Josh McDaniels in his press conference today to be like, yeah, we're watching some Hebron Christian Academy film to try to get an idea of what we're going to see on Sunday. And, you know, the wing tee looks pretty good. I mean, Jeff Saturday's never coached at the college or NFL level. So, um, I understand why, why people out there look at it and, and think this qualifies as a tank, even though Jim Irsay, you know, felt the need last night to, you know, be pretty demonstrative and saying that this is not bad. All right. So will there be more, more flags thrown with 12 men on the field or delay of game? Yeah, I think probably the delay part. Um, you know, one of the interesting things I think with Park Frazier and, you know, I, feel like there are whispers out there. They want to say Mike, Mike Chappell reported it to Scott Milanovich. The quarterback's coach actually got offered the play-calling job and denied it or told Jeff Saturday that he did not want to do it. Maybe there are some stipulations with that. But, um, you know, defensively, you know, you're obviously keeping the same operation with Gus Bradley, and rightfully so. Um, but you will, I, I would think, we'll talk to Park Treasure tomorrow, so we'll see if he's going to be in the booth. You know, Reich was on the field or, or if he's going to be on the field. Um yeah, I'm pretty sure Parks is on the field normally during games, so maybe he'll want to still be down there. Um, but I am certainly interested to see from a you know 40-second play clock standpoint, you know, how that operation unfolds. Uh, Jeff Saturday made it seem like today he's not going to be one that will be very active and going for a lot of fourth down situations. You know, he pretty much was saying that I'm an offensive lineman. We work too hard to get points. We get in those situations. I'm going to take the points. That's very different, obviously, than the aggressive mindset that Frank Reich has had. So, um, you know, that's the part we haven't talked a lot about this week, but I'm very, very interested to see how mainly the offensive operation is going to go. And then when they do, or I should say if, because certainly last week they were not in many of them in the second half, if and when they get into those game situations, whether to go for it, whether to, you know, punt, going for two, things like that, how does Jeff Saturday handle all that? Are you older than Parks Frazier? I am older than Parks Frazier. I am. Parks is 30, I believe, and I just turned 33. You know Parks Frazier, who he's married to? Oh, uh, yeah. It, uh, it, 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 it Help me out, though. Yes, I do. Yeah, Carol, well, her maiden name is yeah, Caroline. Yeah, Caroline, um, yeah, who was here with the Colts years ago. Yes. The old, the, the Lara Overton before Lara. Yes, exactly. Um, so, yeah. yeah, she left Indy and went to the Panthers. Uh, they got some ties in that area. And, um, yeah, Parks is, you know, I, again, I, I, I'm i good with it. You know, it, it, in a way, John, and this is insanely lofty, but when you think about what the NFL is, is just trying to find in every single building, every owner right now wants the young, hot offensive mind who can we find that's the next Sean McVay that's what every owner is seeking out and if you're Jeff Saturday and you're evaluating your coaching staff there has to be an element of like all right this dude has been with Frank Reich the longest of anybody on staff he came in with Reich in 2018 Um, when the Colts had a zoom with Matt Ryan back in March to kind of court Matt Ryan it was Chris Ballard Frank Reich Marcus Brady and then the fourth person on that zoom was Parks Frazier because he has great offensive intel 
And then I think he's got a pretty good relationship with Sam Ellinger. I mean, he's the one that taught Ellinger the offense when Ellinger was drafted last last April. And if you are able to see something, and again, the offensive product, we all have seen it unfold. It's been awful. So I'm not acting like we should expect success. But if you see some things you like in what he's doing and you know the quarterback decision that is awaiting come April next year, if you can have some sort of pairing of – you know, a young quarterback and a young coach, that obviously would be a more than ideal situation. The odds of this happening are probably very slim, but I think you're at a state in the season to where I understand this thinking. Again, I don't, it doesn't sound like he was the first choice, but, you know, maybe you will, you know, fall into something here. And again, being what, 30? He's probably been big into Madden in the past, so he may go for it on every fourth down. <laughs> yeah, he certainly has. He's like, yep, I'm not, I'm not putting fourth and eight from my own 27. Yeah, we're not putting here. But like Kevin Wilson offense, you just go for it from <laughs> my own 25. So yeah, yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, exactly. Now again, Saturday did sound like a guy that's not going to be uh, too aggressive when those situations arise and. You know, I think another element of it is it does keep all the other position coaches in their, you know, normal game day duties. You know, Scotty Montgomery handled the running back substitutions. Reggie Wayne, you know, handled wide receiver personnel. Um, one thing that I felt like coaching-wise that I think it's worth pointing out, I was curious, and I asked Jeff this today, I was like, any other staff changes? I mean, the Colts don't have Marcus Brady, don't have Frank Reich. They have two openings on their staff. I guess Saturday took one of them. But, you know, they could go out and make – some sort of outside hire. Oh, I like it. I like it. I may apply. What What do you think's needed yeah, here? Sure. I may apply. Well, I, I, I was kind of curious about that. And then Jeff kind of offered up, you know, well, we're not going to do anything. And I and I was like, are you, are you, will you be working a little bit more directly with the offensive line? He said, no, you know, I've already kind of been working with Strauss and Chris Strasser uh, from afar, from a consulting role. And I'm thinking, oh, boy, well. That's probably not the most ringing endorsement right now to think that Jeff Saturday's had some consulting on the offensive line, and we've seen how that product has unfolded here this season. Hey, Kev, man, if they were to hire me, I'm putting Quentin Nelson at left tackle immediately. Yeah, you would be all about that, wouldn't you? Be? Oh, yeah, well, that'd be the Raider first thing. Game, what what, what the hell? You might as well now do it. I'm just I'm halfway serious, that. halfway joking. But. This is when Nelson had that experiment there. Good news for the O-line this week, though. The rate, Well, Max Crosby and Chandler Jones are two pretty good rushers, but I, I want to say they're dead last in the NFL in sacks. But um, I, that's the other thing, John, I think I'm interested in Sunday. Of like, We already heard Saturday, you know, Sam Ellinger's going to start, Bernard Ryman's going to be at left tackle. It, it's shocking to me that I'm talking to you on November, whatever it is, 8th, and the four names I mentioned earlier of – no Marcus Brady, no Frank Reich, no Matt Ryan, no Naeem Hines, and yet Chris Strasser and Matt Pryor still have held on to their jobs. So do you bench Matt Pryor? Like, is this something that will be permanent now after he got benched in the game? I am curious to see if we see any other movement along that offensive line. Well, and, and along those lines, I would also just put him at left guard and at center at some point and see if he can get benched from every position along the line this year. <laughs> Because there's going to be some award for that, and we'll give that award. To, we'll give that award to Chris Ballard for believing that he should be out there in any capacity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could send his cleats to Canton one day if he's able to there's accomplish a... that feat. Yeah, and I, you and I, I think have had this conversation before, but 
of all the positional debates that we've had about Ballard and his approach, the one that confuses me the most is left tackle because that is the one that Ballard talks about meaning so much to him is O-line, O-line, O-line. You and I have had this talk before. I get wide out. Like, Ballard just doesn't believe in that. But left tackle, O-line, like, that's the one that, again, he holds in such high regard. And for him to have really given it to a guy that had no business getting that job, Matt Pryor literally laughed when the Colts told him that he would be their left tackle. Um, If that move doesn't happen, if you would have had a little bit more maybe training camp competition in the offseason, we might not be having this conversation right now in terms of all those guys not no longer having their jobs. Who knows? If Alec Pierce catches a touchdown pass in the first half of that game in Houston, maybe we're not talking about it. There, I mentioned this yesterday. There are so many different moments in this season where things could have gone maybe a different direction, and maybe we're not talking about any of this right now. Yeah, certainly. I mean, you got that. Um, I, we had Mike Chappell on earlier with us today. I'm trying to think Chap brought up a play, another play from – or, well, Washington game, obviously, if Gilmore makes a play. And, and, and as much as I hear that out, I mean, if Chris Jones isn't an idiot, you probably lose that game. And if Russell Wilson doesn't look concussed late in the game, um, you probably lose that one. So as much as you certainly have had games that you've lost or tied, that you had opportunities to win, I think right now a 3-5-1 and one record is probably a pretty accurate assumption or evaluation of this football team hey kev is matt ryan healthy to return doesn't appear that way did not practice today he said that he's getting there with that right shoulder um i think the owner is talking out of both sides of his mouth and his comments a few weeks ago about sam ellinger and now his comments in that oh yeah we're open to all three quarterbacks and well and clearly he got he got pissy he was like ballard ballard was pissy on monday night and clearly last night, lobbing phone calls to Mike and to, to Bob that uh, Jim wanted to get his message out there because he didn't like the way that the message was being put together by, uh, you know, those verbally, those in print or whatever. And I would agree, but I would ask the question, what you think? Would they have a better chance of winning with Foles under center than they would Ellinger on Sunday? You know, probably in the short term, yeah. I mean, unless this offensive line takes some drastic jump, though, I, I, I mean, Foles is probably more of a statue than Ryan. Did honestly. you say dump or jump right there? I want to make sure that I'm following you <laughs> along here. Dump, a drastic yeah, dump uh, or jump? Mm-hmm, okay. Yeah, the dumps have been every Sunday, but yeah, yeah jump. The dump was happening when Ursay <laughs> called Saturday from the press box <laughs> on Sunday. That is the absolute uh, best, by the way, too. Oh, <laughs> uh, I would pay a lot of money to see video. Yeah, well, he's he's. I yeah. From what you hear, there's a lot of activity going on in there that uh, a lot of people never hear. So that's uh-huh. that's pretty good. I'd like to be a part of it, yeah. though. I can't lie. Sure. Yeah, they should auction off a ticket, donate that to charity each week. Sit in nurses, owner owner's box. Uh, you know, to your point, yeah. In the short term, it is fulls, but and Ellinger certainly had problems on Sunday on his own that were not protection related. When there were some opportunities to make plays in the passing game, those were not made. Um, but there is the run element behind this offensive line right now that I think you really need. And so far, again. That Gramson, Gramson's drop contributed to the interception. He has done a nice job outside of the fumble uh, against Washington of protecting the football. But 
I, I felt like Sunday we saw just a reluctancy to throw with anticipation. Uh, there were a couple balls that, you know, he threw to Pittman and Pierce, like early on, a couple comebacks that um, the New England DB was right there. I think there were moments if, you know, you throw that ball right as that guy's making his break or even before that there's an opportunity to complete that pass and, you know, maybe keep a drive alive. And that did not happen. And I do think that's an element that Foles and Orion, if healthy, would bring to this offense. But I am of the belief at this point, just keep on playing Ellinger. I don't, I, again, I don't need to see Foles. I don't need to see Ryan again. I know that's my thinking, um, but that's, but we'll, we'll, we'll see if they continue to operate uh, with how they have the last couple of weeks. Kevin Bowen joins us. I know Jeff Saturday gave everybody that timeline of the events leading up to his hiring earlier this week. Did you buy a full 100% truth out of how he laid it out? Um, no, I do not. Um, no. I, I, I mean, Jim Irsay is a very emotional human, and I think there's a lot of actions you can point to over the years, certainly over the last few weeks, that there's been some emotion behind it. But I, I believe that this has developed over – uh, at least over 48 hours or 72, however they described it. Um, I mean, he's calling the man during the middle of the football game. <laughs> like, you know, I can't imagine Jim Irsay dialing up too many people during the middle of a football game. Clearly, they have had some conversation. And I think Dan Orlovsky mentioned this yesterday when he hopped on the Dan Patrick show about you know, him and Jeff have had conversations before about, you know, coaching and, and, you know, assembling staffs. And, you know, I think Dan Patrick asked Orlovsky pretty directly of, you know, have you been contacted to be the Colts quarterbacks coach? And Orlovsky said not directly. So, you know, there's obviously some vagueness in that answer. Um, Yeah, I think there was definitely – I mean, Frank Reich would still be here if Jeff Saturday said no. That's just kind of a wild part of all of this. This has a lot less to do with Jim Irsay wanting to be done with Frank Reich at any cost and just promote whoever, and more to do with, which again is not how a lot of these, not how a lot of these firings work. I mean, Carolina clearly is not doing that right now with their interim situation, um, but that's how Irsay wants to view these final eight games. So Kevin Bowen, the morning show on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I think Jeff Saturday also mentioned today that, you know, this is a, a proving ground, if not a training ground for him in these games the rest of the season as the interim head coach. My belief is that he's got a spot within this organization someplace. He maintained earlier today that he did not. What do you think? Yeah, I think he does. I, I would agree with you. Um, I think he's got more of Jim Irsay's ear right now than Chris Ballard does. And I know that that's not typically how the hierarchy works when you're talking about a head coach and a GM, but I do feel like that's the case with how um, how Irsay views this currently. Um, so, yeah, whether it's a head coach, whether it's, you know, president, whether it's the GM – if Jeff Saturday wants to be a part of this organization next year, I believe he will be. Hey, take the keys out of the ignition there, brother. Yeah, sorry about that. Sorry about that. <laughs> the other thing I was curious about regarding Jim Irsay, 
is I, I said this yesterday, and it's a promo that's running right now. And while I and many others embrace the past, and especially the the Manning years, the Manning era, that brought a Super Bowl, Super Bowl Forty One here. Clearly, Jim Irsay does as well. And I thought this that if you're truly, if you're Jim Irsay and you want want to embrace the past. Once you decide on who's going to lead your football organization moving forward here, it's time to stop being Jerry Jones and be more like Jim Irsay was, you know, as an owner back during that era. You agree? Yeah, I, I, I would. And I think you got to, you know, I think we can lay out, John, like, you know, again, was there merit to fire Frank Reich? Certainly. Um, but I think, you know, how he's gone about that and – I would say a little bit of how the rest of the league kind of views this. Like if Jeff Saturday decides at the end of these eight months or the eight games that he doesn't want to be a part of whatever, this operation or, you know, he wants to spend more time with his family. Like I'm super curious how coaching candidates, GM candidates will react to um, what the Colts have going on. And sure, there's an element of there's 32 of these. And of course people are going to be desperate and people are going to take that job. But if you're viewing them and comparing them to other openings around the league, uh, again, you might be extremely hesitant to want to come here based off how the last few months have unfolded here. And I just I think it works think out better. I, I just think that works out better. I, and, and listen, I don't mind him being, you know, a voice as far as an owner with league stuff as he has been, if that's the direction he wants to go. But football wise, it just seems like, Kev, everything is always better, calm, and cert- certainly not the circusy thing we have seen here recently when he lets you know others do their thing. So, yeah, I, I I think it's a really slippery, slippery slope, and you would know better than I, but it does seem like it's an element of what his father did at times. Maybe not as drastic and demonstrative, and does seem like it is creeping. Territory with these sorts of moves, um, you know. I I think in year five of Reich and year six of Ballard, there needed to be a very critical evaluation of that, and there needed to be changes. And clearly, he's gone about that. Um, I think one of the dangerous areas from Monday night is just him living so much in the past and bringing. And I know the quartile quote is, you know, kind of a funny one and all of that. But like he just thinks that because that era happened that all of a sudden he's got this clout league-wide that everybody thinks the Colts are the gold standard and that everybody should want to be a part of that. And I think the Colts are at this point of their franchise where you got to re- reprove yourself. Um, and if you look at the last eight years since you last won a division title, I mean, all three of these teams in the division, Houston, Jacksonville, and Tennessee, all three have won a division title since you last did. All three of them have won more playoff games than you have in that span. And we're talking Texans, Jags, and Titans. We're not talking about upper echelon NFL by any means. And so I just thought it was really out of touch to think that, you know, you got to go back to all, all the way to 2000 and think and believe that that is still the environment. And that's how, you know, either your operation is being run right now or how you're viewed around the league. Yeah. Uh, no one on this roster even close to playing for you in 2009. Staff members, of course, would fall into the same boat there. That's a long, long time ago. And I get you know, honoring that era and wanting to consult people in that era. Um, but if you want to go off that, 
I mean, the reason we were there Monday night for that press conference was because people in that era wanted you to hire Frank Reich, and at the end of the day, that didn't work out. So I, I, I think that's just a bit of a slippery slope that he's obviously going down with the Saturday move, and I think considering his impact with the Saturday decision and the St. Ellinger decision, he wants nothing more than next week, next year, week one, for Sam Ellinger to be his quarterback and Jeff Saturday to be his head coach. And I know that might scare a lot of people, but that's what he wants. That, well, I mean, he thinks that Hollywood script is something that could indeed happen. And we'll see how the next two months play out. But boy, that is, that's got danger written all over. I do agree with that. But on the other hand, what he has done is basically what people have been screaming about. He did do something. And me, sure, you, sure, sure. everybody, everybody was screaming about doing something. And then he did something. And then, you know, we complained about the way that he did it. So, uh, yeah, I mean. I've got less issue with the, well, I, I've got some issue with the action. I've been firing Frank Reich over the phone. I think it's ludicrous and some some of those other things. But, I, again, should Frank Reich have been the head coach here in 2023? No. Um, I think I have more of the comments from Monday night of, continually to live in that past and thinking that that is still alive and believing that just simply tapping into that era is going to reinvigorate everything. That's a little, I, I don't know. That, that just seems like he feels like by doing that and getting one step or as close as he's going to get to Peyton Manning, that that's going to cure all. And that's just dangerous. Well, if they perform well, you'll be singing a different tune. This time next Wednesday, so we'll see. Yeah. It may be closer. We'll it may be closer to the a chaotic cluster. You know what? But at the very least, people are going to be tuned in now. That after last Sunday, probably vowed to not tune into another Colts game this season. So they got that going for them at the very least. We'll see. Yeah, and obviously the Raiders have had their own issues. Granted, they've had some leads in games this year, and I think they've got a far, definitely a more talented roster. But um, yeah. We'll see how it plays out. All right, buddy. Get in there and get him tomorrow morning at 7. And uh, make sure you check out my Twitter account later on tonight after 33 is on the floor. It ought to be entertaining. <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah, boy. It's certainly been one to keep an eye on here yeah, the last couple is, nights. So. It is. Appreciate you. Yep. See you, John. It's a Bowen on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. Vic Tafer of the Athletic Rights regarding the Raiders. We'll get the lowdown on those losses. I think five where they've held 17-point or more leads in games that got flushed right down the crapper by the Raiders. We'll talk about that and that talent on that team and Josh McDaniels and where they are right now. A two-win team and a three-win team. Matching up with a great deal of interest and especially from a Colts standpoint because of what's going on off the field this week, coming up on Sunday in Vegas. All right, 239-1070, your calls inside the lounge via YouTube Live as well. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. Thank you for your support. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. JJ KB. That would be Jeremiah Johnson and Kevin Bowen. And your mark was true. Oh, Lane Staley. 
Big Tafer, top of the hour. The Athletic writes for the Raiders. We'll find out. We'll unearth all the issues on a two-win team of Josh McDaniels so far in this incredible matchup forthcoming Sunday in Vegas. Vic, top of the hour. Eddie's at 239-1070. Hello, Eddie. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. Hello. You kind of sound like Bartles and James commercial right there. Hello. (laughs) Go ahead. I appreciate that. Now, you know, Jim Ursay the same guy that got in front of cameras, bad mouth Dan Snyder turns around and fires a coach over the phone. Uh, you know, that's Dan Snyder-esque. And, and I think the longer this thing has gone on, what's become clear to me is we appreciated Bill Polian and his ability to draft, but I think his ability to manage Ursay may have been his most important skill into being successful. And I think watching Ursay as of late, and how he's handled this thing. As long as he's meddling, Colts have zero chance. You yeah. can bring in Vince Lombardi. It's not going to happen. Uh, and it's just Eddie. It's, it's, it's and that's bad. why I say it. That's why I say it too. I mean, if you're truly going to embrace the past where the success was, that needs to be at the top of the list. You well, you what, be you as you were then with this team, and let the football people handle the football things and such. There's 100%. no doubt. Yeah. Let me leave you with this thought. I'm on my way to Bloomington right now. Ursay bringing in Jeff Saturday has a chance to uh, do end uh, how IU ended with Bob Knight in that whole era. You know, this could literally blow up in Ursay's face. I hope it doesn't, but, you know. What are you doing in Bloomington, by the way? Where are you going? I am going to the farm. I'm going to have a oh, yeah. cocktail. I've been to and, the farm. Uh, doing some uh, work with the Evans Scholar House down there. I love, love Bloomington. Being around there all yeah. my life, I love Bloomington. Even, even though it's changed dramatically, there's so many different spots that are still the same for me. Got a lot of love, no doubt. Have fun. Thank you. Uh, Eddie, thank you for the call. Clint, let's clarify some things before the top of the hour at 239-1070. Jump on here. Hey, how you doing? Great, Clint. Hey, I want to talk. You're, you're a basketball shooter, um, and, and- – I, like, I sucked. I, I sucked last you. night, though. I sucked really bad last night. But my feet hurt. My, you know, I'm, you know, I'm making excuses. But I sucked last night. Go ahead. Sorry, Clint. Well, you know, I, look. When I was a kid, I was taught. I don't shoot like Rick Mount, but I was taught the Rick Mount method. Yeah. And when I watch Tyrese Halliburton, I cringe. But I'm beginning to be okay with it. I mean, he he's so good at driving to the basket. If they close out hard on him, he, he's 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 in control. He's not trying to get off that low release point when he's covered. And as long as he's under control and doing his thing, then he's making shots with that low low release point. I say, why changing? I, I would have no problem with it whatsoever. It's what he's grown up with. That's what's gotten him here so far. And it's all about repetition. Repetition and the way that you shoot it, that's what matters. There have been some weird shooting forms in the past. And, you know, again, as long as it goes in at a clip in which everybody's satisfied with and you still have that skill set, I think everybody here will be happy. Clint, I appreciate your call. Have a great night. I agree with Clint on that. Vic Tafer on the other side, me and you too. Maybe some anything goes as well. Don't leave. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
The Ride with JMV. I want savages on the field. I want to leave the league in broken ribs. I want to put people in the hospital legally. No hitting in the head. I want them to cry and be scared to play us. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Does anybody know whatever happened to that dude? He just disappeared. I hope everything's okay. He was a one-hit wonder. Yeah, he was. It's like Baltimore and Tarzan boy. Swings in here with an 80s classic and swings right out of here, never to be heard from again. Kind of like the new radicals right here. Right? I mean, you got you you got your you're a lyrical wizard, and you're a bit of a smart ass, and you got your bowl hat on, and you're cool, and your sweatpants, and you come out with you only get what you give, and that's basically it. That was our guy. How many years ago was that? Two years ago with him? Yeah, that was uh, pre. It was right yeah. before the Rivers season, 2020. Anybody know what happened to that guy? Does anybody know that guy? I would love to have your progress report. At 239-1070. Coming up, Jeremiah Johnson. Bally Sports, Indiana tonight. 6.30, your coverage begins. 6.30 right here as well. The Nuggets in town. You got Denver. You got the Pacers coming up at 7 o'clock. And Kevin Bowen of the morning show. Kevin and Query. 7 until 10 a.m. coming up tomorrow morning. Tomorrow for me, Joe's Grill, Castleton. Week 10, Larcity Bourbon Locks, Luna Zool Tequila Shots. You know the samples are going to be flowing. Me, Brent Halverson, and Nally in the house. We would love to see you coming up tomorrow. And uh, week 10, we'll be talking about this game. One o'clock, the pregame show begins with me right here coming up on Sunday. It's the Colts and the Raiders. And to talk about that matchup and more from the Raiders standpoint, Vic Tafer, the athletic, covers the Raiders with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. How are things going in Vegas with this two-win team right now, Vic? Uh, they're going fabulous. Just uh, everyone's uh, loving life. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. no, just kind of uh, you know, a lot of confusion. They obviously thought they'd be better than this. They uh supposed to have, you know, top top offense, and they got shut out last week in the second half of the Jags. African shut out in the whole game by the Saints. So, obviously, a lot of question marks. All right, so where do you think it starts? Because this is a team that's also put itself in position. Because I think they've blown, what, five leads of 17 or more points this season. So there have been some moments where they put points on the board. But overall, what's been the issue with the offense, in your estimation? Yeah, it's in three games. They were up 17 and they lost. So definitely they had some chances to win some more games. I think it's just, uh, they'll tell you it's just a matter of time of getting in sync with the new the new system. Josh McDaniels is, you know, Patriots-style offense. And just getting guys kind of in the right place and, and at the right time, I think you saw last week. Uh, Devontae Adams had nine catches in the first half and one for zero yards in the second half. So just not always been on the same page. They've had some injuries. Uh, Darren Waller is still out. Hunter Renfro missed a couple of games. So uh, those are the excuses. So um, we'll see what happens uh, the rest of the way. What's the level of frustration with this group right now, Vic? Yeah, it's pretty high. I mean, they just got back. They had a two-week trip. They played in New Orleans. They stayed in Sarasota for the week of practice there. And they played in Jacksonville. They thought they had kind of, you know, hashed everything out and, you know, team bonding and held hands with a campfire. I thought they were all squared away, but clearly they're not. So I think now there's definitely some question marks that and they're still confident, but not as much as they were, say, last week because they thought they were kind of past this uh, this phase. 
How much is their first-year head coach, Josh McDaniels, who has a bit, a slight bit of history here, how much has he been in the crosshairs as far as this two-win season and this disappointing offensive flow that we have seen with this team is concerned? Yeah, more and more every week. The fans are definitely getting frustrated. I think Mark Davis is frustrated. They, you know, they made the playoffs last year. So they, they went with a new staff. The thought was they'd be able to take another step up. They brought in Adams and Chandler Jones. They weren't by any means doing a, a rebuild with a new regime. So they thought they'd be back in the playoff race this year. They're clearly not. So definitely some frustration and people wondering uh, you know, what's going on. Jonathan Abram? What happened there as a former first-round pick? I, I don't know the background story. I don't know the level of production that he had or didn't have. But what was the background story, if there is one there? Just a bad pick. I mean, they've made the, the last regime was Gruden, John Gruden and Mike Mayock. They really did not do very well. They had a lot of first-round picks, and they really did not do well with them. Abram was a guy who was you know, a big-time, a hard-hitting guy, you know, a safety, kind of undersized in college. Didn't really translate well to the NFL. He had some coverage issues, and even with a new regime, it couldn't really uh, get his footing. He started the first six games and didn't play much the last two weeks. So I think the timing is weird because, you know, you're supposed to be all in it together. I'm not sure what it does to, to cut your backup safety at this point, but clearly uh, they wanted to move on, and he got claimed by the Packers, so he'll, he'll get a new start. Big Tafer writes for the Athletic, covers the Raiders. He's with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I mean, there's no doubt, production-wise, name recognition-wise, defensively, Max Crosby and a guy they went out and got in the offseason, Chandler Jones, they bring the thunder. Production-wise, how have those two been on the defensive side of the football for the Raiders this year? Well, Crosby's been great. Crosby's definitely still you know, a great pass rushing guy who's gotten better in run defense. Definitely, I think, one of the top players in the league. I think um, they're hoping that those two guys will kind of recreate what they had last year with um, Crosby and, and Gakway, who you guys now have. And they were definitely a great tandem for the Raiders last year. They thought Jones, knowing the Patriots system, knowing these guys pretty well, would be able to come in and kind of take it up a notch because he's better against the run. But it's kind of gone the other direction. Maybe. Uh, he's a little over the hill, but just uh, he hasn't looked very good um, in terms of the pass rush. So they have, they have their last in the league with nine sacks. So that tells you all they got in there right there. You had mentioned, because we had this conversation back in March when the trade was made, Rocky Asin, he goes to the Raiders. Yannick Ngakwe uh, comes this way. And Yannick Ngakwe, uh, little to no production for the Colts at least expectation wise it hasn't been what people like me certainly thought but how has Rocky seen been in that defensive backfield for the Raiders this season he's been solid I wouldn't say he's done anything great or, or bad he's been a solid guy who I mean they were hoping he might be that number one kind of cornerback to take a next step but he hasn't done that really but uh, he's not been the issue they've had other problems in defense so I think he's been reliable and a guy who uh, for the most part can and handle himself pretty well one on one with uh, most guys in the league. How was the um, when they hired Josh McDaniels, especially? And you mentioned this, a team that did go to the postseason a year ago. But how was that hiring taken by the fan base in Vegas when it was made? Uh, definitely a mixed reaction. I think people definitely loved the job that Rich Passaccia did last year. The kind of rally they had a bunch of you know on field and off field issues last year, and they kind of rallied them together and they made the playoffs, but. I think some of the fans, and clearly Mark Davis, the owner, felt that it may have been a little flukish. Maybe it wasn't a thing that could, he could do again as far as you know, his his coaching prowess and being the number one guy. So I think uh, Mark Davis decided to go the other way. We'll bring in this Patriots regime and kind of take it to the next level. And clearly it hasn't, hasn't been the case quite yet. He and Derek Carr 
seem to be on the same page throughout this, or there have, have there been, uh, I guess, rocky waves that they've tried to get through going through the season so far? Yeah, I mean, they say they are. They, they say the right things, but clearly Derek Carr's not the guy who was last year. Stats are down. He doesn't look as good. So clearly he's not comfortable in the new system and not clearly in sync quite yet. So uh, you would think they'll get better with time, but uh, so far – there's, there's enough talent with offense that should be scoring points a lot more easily than they have been. So uh, definitely you got to look at you know, the whole Derek Carr and McDaniels thing as being a reason why it's not happening. It seems like Devontae Adams is angry after every game, uh, either legitimately or I guess like thereof, because that's what happens when you have a disappointing two-win season so far and a lot of people put the expectations on. How has that fit been in Vegas with the wide receiver so far? Uh, it's been interesting. He definitely, uh, you, you clearly see why he's like arguably the, the top guy in the league. He's, he's so good as far as getting open. He can beat all kinds of coaches one on one, double teams, you know, safeties over the top. So he just has all the all the skills in his back to get open whatever he wants. It seems like so he's frustrated because he came here obviously to for a reason, and two and six was not the reason. He left behind a pretty good, you know, dynamic with Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron's also struggling so. It's kind of a – I can see both of those guys being frustrated probably at what's happened since they they separated. All right. Well, around here, frustration has been often. And then it's never a, a good thing, right, Vic, whenever you have a team that's certainly more interesting with what's going on off the field than what has gone on on the field. And you saw that come to a head earlier this week. Frank Reich was fired on Monday. And then two hours later, we learned that Jeff Saturday, fresh out of ESPN, the former Colt Center in the Ring of Honor here, is going to be the interim head coach. I'm curious. I don't know how much people may care about that, how much the team may care about that, because ultimately it is the players on the field, and we've seen, especially offensively, with this team, these struggles it had on Sunday in Foxborough. What's been the buzz surrounding what's been going on around the Colts, given the fact the Colts are going to be in Vegas coming up on Sunday? I think people are pretty shocked, even out here, about what's happened. I think it's kind of a kind of mind-boggling to hire a guy from the TV studio who hasn't been with the team all year. I guess he's been there when training camp he was there, but still, it seems like a huge a huge leap. And a lot of the people here like us, Bradley had a lot. He was a coordinator last year. They wonder how that will work as far as the coaching staff in place, kind of have the answer to a guy who was on TV last week. So I think it's fascinating. I think um, the Raiders should win this game, but knowing them, you never know. But uh, it seems like they have a pretty huge edge as far as that part of it goes. It's a Vic Tafer, the athletic rights for the Raiders with this via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. What's funny about it is probably the, the storyline would have been prior to this week. I would imagine, you know, the whole Josh McDaniels 11th hour decision to go back to Foxborough and not come here as the hired next Colts head coach years ago. But that kind of gets placed on the back burner, I, I'm assuming, right? with <laughs> What's been going on around here going into Vegas on Sunday? Oh, for sure. Like, the big storylines are going to be uh, Josh coming there and playing against the Colts until he left him, like you said, last second. And also the Gus Bradley revenge game and Gakway revenge game. There are storylines that were huge, and now they're all definitely pushed, you know, in, in the background because uh, Jeff Saturday is definitely the story. Now, curious, before I let you go, is there a path of disappointment that could make it a one-and-done for Josh McDaniels in Vegas? You know, fans, like you mentioned, fans being unhappy, that's a very popular question. They want to know what's going to take to get rid of them. People are that unhappy. Um, I can't imagine. I mean, you've you got a four-year deal, it's a brand-new regime. But I'm sure there's a number that Mark Davis wouldn't be able to accept. And I'm sure a loss 
to Jeff Saturday would definitely be uh, a contributor <laughs> to that. So, um, yeah. I, I, yeah, I can't imagine, but if they only win, say, you know, four or five games this year, that would definitely be a, a major catastrophe. And losing this weekend, in Mark Davis's eyes, would also be a catastrophe. I would imagine it would be – And I, listen, the Colts lost to the commanders here, but Carson Wentz was not under center. He was injured. I would assume it would be akin to Carson Wentz coming in here and, and beating the Colts – what Jeff Saturday last week being on TV and then sliding into Vegas and being the interim head coach and and beating the Raiders in Vegas probably would lead to a, a little bit more discontent throughout the city and certainly with Mark Davis in mind. Yeah, I think they've had you know a series of, of lows and lowers this year, like you know getting shot by the Saints. It's hard to do to get shot yeah. get shot by the Saints, and then you lose, you know, you, you blow away to the Jaguars who aren't that good. So I just think every week has kind of gone down, down and. Definitely losing to Jeff Saturday and, and Parks Frazier, I think that's his name, will definitely be another <laughs> another step another step down the ladder, I think, for Mark Davis. You. you say, I think that's his name. That's great. That is great. Hey, I don't know. So uh, if you – all right, and I know that you love your gig, but if you were going to be covering a team right now just for the sake of what's going on, and we're talking about a three-win team and a two-win team, which uh, situation would be more interesting for you, the Colts or the Raiders when you're in? That's a good question. Um, well, that's a good question. I'm sorry. I think I know you guys stick with the, the, the animal you know, so I guess I'll stick with the Raiders because they've always been interesting, even when they've, they've lost games. So, uh it's always fascinating, but you guys are definitely making a run for the money. I say so. The Colts definitely are now they're, they're in the they're in the circus along with the Raiders. So we'll see what happens this weekend. That's no doubt about that. Vic Tafer of the Athletic covers the Raiders on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. The circus. I want to say the circus in town, but I mean the the circus is in town like every minute of the day out there. So this is not like it's going to be anything different here, right? So the circus is in town all the time out there. Yeah, I just got new and bigger acts, like more, you know, more more explosions, more uh, more more clowns, more more monkeys on bikes, all that stuff. So it, it should be fun. All right, man, I appreciate you. Enjoy the game coming up on Sunday, and we'll see what happens, Vic. Thanks for dropping in here today. All right, take care. It's uh, Vic Tafer of the Athletic on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. So. There's an interesting angle for you, Colts fans, especially those of you that still hold a grudge over Josh McDaniels because he bailed at the last minute, because he's with New England or was under the wing of Bill Belichick. There's an angle for you. Colts go in with Jeff Saturday that was doing television analyst work at that point on Sunday, a week prior, beating the two-win Raiders on their home field. And then leading Josh McDaniels down a path to where he is one and done in Las Vegas. This is a team that's not had any sort of a storybook type of script this season. There's one for you right there. There's one for you. Parks Frazier. Parks Frazier, that, was that his name? You know, when he says yeah, that. No. Oh, boy. That was pretty good right there. Can you imagine? I'm telling you, there is, at the very least, you get intrigue from this. Now, Jim Mercer 
called both Bob Kravitz and Mike Chappell last night to set the record straight, to clear the air, whatever, regarding what he meant in that press conference about his expectations of this team, that this team is not tanking. Do you agree this team is not tanking? Because this team, this has the looks, and it's a fair view. It's not like we're yanking anything out of the rear end here. It's a fair view that this team looks as if, if there is a team tanking, it looks like it. Now, here's the one thing about it, is the owner does firmly believe in Sam Ellinger and clearly believes in Jeff Saturday. So we may visualize that as a tank, but he does he does believe in both the quarterback and the first time here's your job as an interim head coach leading up to this Raiders game, Jeff Saturday making the calls, making the decisions coming up on Sunday. He believes in it. Do you think he actually believes in Ellinger I now? I mean, that yeah. comment about you know, Matt Ryan, all three quarterbacks are yes. now available. You think they stick with Ellinger for the rest I, of the year? Like, it's what Kevin Bowen and I were talking about when Kevin had mentioned that, that, that Jim Irsay believes in his quarterback and Jeff Saturday moving forward in those positions. There is no question. No question. You just, now, I just found it so odd. He mentioned, oh, you know, well, Matt Ryan, you know, if he returns from injury, yeah. all three quarterbacks are available to us. I know that everybody around here dislikes Nick Foles. And I know that we have seen this offensive line crumble to the point, and this is where the problem is. The offensive line has been the problem for this team. It's the reason why they are where they are. But would you consider that Nick Foles under center would give the Colts a better chance to win? Because I do. And I know what you're going to say. Well, Nick Foles would be running for his life, and he couldn't get away any better than Matt Ryan would. But I think that if given some time, he would be a better quarterback than Sam Ellinger would. In that moment on Sunday. I think there's any part of just Saturday that would rather go with Foles over Ellinger on Sunday because I do. I think yeah, this is for an a, owner for a, call. For a guy that has never coached above the high school level, you probably would rather have a veteran QB who can help you out. Am I wrong to suggest that I believe they have a better chance of winning? If they really, truly wanted to win, if there was no tank going on. But again, I will offer you this. Jim Mercer believes in Ellinger and believes in Saturday. Maybe we don't, but he does. But just for the simple fact of making it a more winnable game, doesn't Nick Foles do that on Sunday? Can we honestly say that? Would you agree with that? I'll tell you what, we'll take those calls coming up on the other side. I got time for you here, a lot of time carved out for you. Uh, we also maybe, do we know yet how long anything goes, maybe if we roll that after six? We'll have about uh, six minutes six past the hour. Six minutes of anything goes. I'll tell you about that before we get to it as well. Jeremiah Johnson and Kevin Bowen, the podcast 1075thefan.com. Vic Tafer, who covers the Raiders for the Athletic, is also there. Tomorrow, we're going to be at Joe's Grill, Large City Bourbon Locks, Luna Azul Tequila Shots. Remember, we're going to move it up to around 3.30 for our Week 10 predictions coming up tomorrow. And then Westside Pub, Bud Light Blue Friday. It's going to be your chance to win tickets to the Eagles-Colts game. 
and see the home Lucas Oil Stadium debut of Jeff Saturday as the interim head coach. That's a week from Sunday, but Friday on a Bud Light Blue Friday at the Westside Pub off of Morris Street will give you a chance to win those tickets coming up on Friday. All right, quick break. We're back with you. My Foles question, whether or not you believe that Saturday has a gig regardless of what happens in these next eight games. We can work in some Pacer conversation if you want to as well. 239-1070. Back with you next. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. This will be the high point of my day. It's all downhill from here. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. JJ, Kevin Bowen, Vic Tafer on the show tomorrow. Varsity Bourbon Locks, Luna's Old Tequila Shots are going to be in Castleton. Joe's Grill, it's me, Halverson, and Nally. A special time for our Week 10 picks in your free samples happening. That's going to be around 7, uh, 3.30, I should say. Almost at 7.30. It's an accurate 3.30 coming up tomorrow afternoon for that. Joe's Grill in Castleton, I would love to see you there. Gutshot writes this, I think it's time to get a new vehicle if your truck is approaching 300K. Anybody out there? Anybody out there? And I actually just got a new one. Anybody out there have a vehicle that has driven up to 300,000 miles or is surpassing that right now? Anybody been close? Have you been close? Because you know how much I, I'd like. I, I, it's still, to me, Runs fine. I've never been close, no. I've never gotten past. Well, I mean, I haven't been driving that terribly long, but uh, 150 was my 300K, max. 300K, and I'll probably reach that mark by the weekend. 300K. May I believe in the maintaining now, though. I did. Back in the day, we used to, like, change the oil. Remember we used to change the oil? Maybe some of you still do on your own. You'd climb under it, and then you'd pop off the cap, and it'd spill oil all over your face the first time you did it oh maybe some of you still do i doubt it probably pretty complicated for the newer cars nowadays all right 239 1070 kyle's gonna jump on here talking about jim ursay go ahead kyle all right well jmv what a 48 hours it's been first of all i have to tell you my first car was a 1977 chevy impala nice it was about 50 different colors of green was it two-door uh uh, no, it was a four-door. Wow. Sedan. Okay. It had 310,000 miles on it. I got it from my grandfather. It ran like a top until the day I gave it to my idiot brother, and he blew the engine up. <laughs> ran it out of oil. But my grandfather was amazing. He had, like, spare parts of everything in the trunk. Yeah. But he would take it to Earl Shive and get a $99 paint job. Yeah, that's brilliant. I mean, it is. So, it is. Listen, it is about maintaining. And maybe when yeah. I was younger, I didn't realize that, but I, I sure as hell do now. Now, as far as old Jim, uh, Jim's an interesting fellow. I think we all know that. But, man, I'm telling you what, I've got this. I think I got this nailed down. So one of the things I wanted to comment on uh, was specifically him walking back some of his comments about the other two quarterbacks, about Foles and about Matt Ryan. And I think here's what happened. I, I, I kind of – come to the realization that I'm not so totally sold on the fact that he was the one that was in charge of actually the decision to start Ellinger. 
I'm not so I'm not so sold on it because I think what he's doing is I think he is allowing um, Saturday to have a little leeway to potentially make a change as now he is the head coach. I think things have gotten so bad. I think Ursay, he's always trying to not be his dad, right? And I think he is tr- basically trying to stay out of things, but I think it literally had deteriorated so bad between the GM and the coach that he felt like he had to interject himself. I really do feel like that he's trying to walk back some of the comments to allow Saturday some potential freedom in the future if he wants to make a change. Yeah, it was be- really yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, it was really interesting the other night. Man, you could feel some emotions leaking off that stage. And to me, uh, it was kind of curious to see that, in my opinion, Saturday became more powerful uh, on that stage uh, the other night than uh, Ballard. I completely I think Ballard, agree. Yeah. Ballard is a neutered dog. Ballard uh, looked as if he was not happy with anything at all that was going on up there. I'm going to get back to the point you did make, too. My belief is that if if Jim Mercer was not the one that wanted Sam Ellinger starting, that somebody else would be starting, and somebody else would have been starting. Foles would have been starting. Somebody else, if not for Jim Mercer, to me – Nick Foles, or whenever he is healthy enough to play again, Matt Ryan would be starting, not Sam Ellinger. I think the sales pitch was actually uh, with Matt. I think they were they were so desperate to try to find solutions with the offensive line, and I think they realized that they, at least going with Sam, had some mobility that they did not have with Matt. Matt is a statue. We all know that. He has the same mobility, you know, that a, a Peyton Manning, you know, had or a Tom Brady. Those are not mobile guys. And when the line is as bad as it was, I truly think that they were literally grasping at straws just trying to figure out any humanly possible way that they could uh, mitigate the issues on the offensive line. And I think he didn't want to get involved. I think he signed off on it. And I think the two talked him into it. I think Ballard and Reich talked him into it uh, to try to give it a shot because ultimately I think he knew it was going to wind up with, with Matt getting hurt. Hey, Kyle, I appreciate that phone call. You call any time. Hopefully we can see you out at a live event soon, maybe tomorrow, maybe Friday. Uh, this was solely, solely out front decision-making by the Colts owner. This is what he wants. In fact, he believes that Sam Ellinger could be, and he would love him to be the future at that position. And I'm sorry, what I have seen so far through two games, that is an absolute inaccurate impression that anybody should get. But he believes in both the quarterback and Sam Ellinger for the future, and he believes in Jeff Saturday for the future. And you can make of that what you want. But if I'm Jeff Saturday and I'm rolling in there on an interim basis, and I do seriously want the best chance to win in Vegas on Sunday, I'm not starting Sam Ellinger. He's starting Sam Ellinger because the owner wants Sam Ellinger started. Tim's up next to 239-1070. Hello, Tim. Hey, how are you? Great. Go ahead. Hey, let me start by saying we're Colt season ticket holders, so we do get a little financial stake in it. Um we're Sam's supporters. I'll explain why. If you go back to, and I'm not comparing the two, but the first year of Peyton Manning, we went three and 13. So it, 
you got to try him out to see if you got to package a deal to move up for a good quarterback or if he's the one. I, I just think they're doing the right thing. We're not going to the playoffs, so why not? Yeah, I to me, if they don't if they don't package to try to get a quarterback in this draft, then I'm going to take off my parachute and jump out of the sixth floor window. <laughs> well, I saw and then everybody would be happy. Like, and then Gutshot would be down there trying to catch me and uh, watch me hit the pavement. So, yeah. But I will tell you this. Your belief, your belief is similar to what the owner believes. That's kind of how he believes it. I mean, he wants this to play out as, you know, a, a fantastic story where he's right and everybody else is wrong on this. So that, that's kind of the same way, the same feel you get with bringing Jeff Saturday in. He wants to be right about this. He believes he's right about this. And he believes that everybody else that has a differing opinion about it uh, is wrong. And that's, that's what he hopes. He hopes both of these guys are a part of this and a part of this coming up next year. I saw it. I saw a thing where they were talking about if we stayed where we're at, because we'll probably be midline, that they thought we'd get somebody like the Kentucky quarterback. And I, I just don't even think that would be an improvement. Well, yeah, and, well and here, I don't know. I, I don't know, but it's going to be difficult if you're not above, for example, Detroit or Carolina. Or who was the third one that I always forget about here, Kyle? There's a third team there as well. Detroit, Texas. Carolina, the Texans. If you don't get above any of those three, and, and listen, who knows what the Raiders are going to feel about Derek Carr. Thank you for the call. You know, they're 2-7 and seven right now. This could get even worse for them, it, it massively worse, coming up on Sunday. But it's going to be really tough because you're talking about three quarterbacks. And those three teams, it may not be as tough as I'm thinking right now because maybe the Colts come out and look like an absolute disastrous mess on Sunday, and then it will make more sense. I'll be honest with you, it made a hell of a lot of sense this past Sunday because they looked offensively like a massive mess. So just a little bit more of that, and I think then we'll really start to believe that they can get up as one of those three teams with a quarterback. And we're, of course, talking about Stroud, Young, Levis, I don't know how these guys translate to the NFL, but as far as the quarterback hierarchy coming out of college, they are the three at the top of the list right now. But the owner wants Ellinger to work as much as he wants Saturday to work. That is very true. Terrence, 239-1070. Hello, Terrence. Hey, JMV. I think the reason why I was trying to figure out why Ursay would go direction of Saturday, I think what happened was he was sitting up the night before and watched the movie The Fish to Save Pittsburgh and got the idea of hiring a like in that movie. They hired a little boy, an astrologist, yep. to uh run the team and, and what it is, Saturday's the little boy and his uh X X three sixty two thousand six Madden is his astrologist. I love it. The fact that you just brought up one of my favorite movies of the 70s right there, that's well done out of you, Terrence. Now, if I were going to give you a choice, would you watch The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh from the 1970s? I think 77, maybe 78. Or would you watch from 1979, Gabe Kaplan coaching up basketball in fast break? What's your uh, basketball for? I had to go with fast break. Oh yeah, when yeah, they're when they're break. when they're eating that weed, when they think that the popo is coming down <laughs> on them, that was a pretty magical moment of that film. 
and when the preacher went to the ground, somebody uh, took a shot in the gym. He thought someone was shooting at him, and he hit the floor. <laughs> Dude, I'm right there with you. I would watch those two before I'd even attempt to watch one-on-one with Robbie Benson, even though Robbie Benson could actually play. He could hoop back in the yeah. day. He just looked really awkward in his grape smugglers trying to hoop, but he could hoop. <laughs> That's all I got, Jim. You got it, Terrence. You call any time. Man, I love Terrence bringing up the fish that saved Pittsburgh. That's great. Fast break, Gabe Kaplan. I saw that in 1979 at the Indiana Theater. I have not been to the movie theater since September the 21st, 1999. Yet I can remember every film that I ever saw what theater it was in. True story. Just an oddity that I bring to the table with you every day right here. Fast break. It's really good stuff. The Indiana Theater, I think it's the uh, Buzzkirk Chumley Theater now. But back in the day, the Indiana Theater is where you uh, went to watch. I saw a cliffhanger there. I, I think I saw Harlem Knights there. At the Indiana Theater. To name a few. I saw a creep show at the Village Theater. Oh, you guys want to hear more? Star Wars at the Princess Theater. Empire Strikes Back at the College Mall Theater. Uh, Danny's up next at 239-1070. Go ahead and save the show, Danny. Hey, I love the show. I listen to it every morning you, every evening on the way home. I appreciate that. Thank you for keeping us locked in. Um. I reason I was calling because I think so. When Frank was talking, he was like in his press game shows. He always talked about like going zero and one, and I felt like that quit working like one and zero in two thousand seventeen when we came back from one five and went to playoffs. Hey, Danny, I got a question for you. You ready? As yeah. a, as a Colts fan right now. Considering where they are, would you rather see them lose Sunday or win Sunday? If they lose Sunday, I'd rather just be in tank for the season. So that Sunday is kind of the hinge? Because to me, I almost feel like that that Commanders game was. I think if, let's just say, for example, if Stephon Gilmore makes that play and the Colts win, I think the likelihood that we're sitting here right now, and maybe we would have after that disastrous mess offensively Sunday in Foxborough, but I think that there is a, a pretty good chance that we're not sitting here talking about this right now. Fair? Fair. Anything else? No, sir. Danny, you call anytime you like. Uh-oh. AJ wants to talk about 33. AJ, bring it. Hey, Miles, Miles, Miles. He sounds like a... Uh... He listens to his parents too much on how great he is, but um, since uh, the Lakers were stupid enough to take Roy Hibbert off our hands after this mental breakdown, you think they'd be stupid enough to uh, take him off our 30, hands? 37 and 12, man. When I shoved that right up your butt on Monday night, did that feel good? With that? He's auditioning. He's auditioning. Always beautiful. I'm good. Good. You want him to play well, don't you? Yeah, he's auditioning for another job. Well, well, I mean, because they want to trade him. They've been trying to trade him for four years. What would you be doing? What would you do if your place of employment's been trying to trade you for four years? Would you maybe ask about playing someplace else? When asked about it, would you answer the question? Sure you would. Well, yeah, but if you played good, we wouldn't be having this conversation. 
I think we were still – I don't know what level you guys expect. What is he right now? 18 and what, Kyle? 18 and 8? You guys well, you guys are still he... pissed about that. You guys would be pissed off about anything he does. How, how many games has he played? Uh, five. Half of them? Five. Yeah, half of them. Five? So, 18 and 8. I, I, mean, I can give you the stats. So, I don't – I, 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 I will sit here, AJ, and I will tell you, I don't think he could do very much at all where some of you guys would ever get up off his ass, ever. Uh, well, he's only missed two games this year. Yeah. Two of ten. <laughs> so, wait a minute. Now, are you on Twitter? No. So, um, okay. I, am I going to hear about tomorrow? Let's just say, for example, he goes 37 and 12 Monday. Let's say he goes seven and five or something like that tonight. Am I going to hear from me tomorrow? Uh, if he goes seven and five? Yeah. Absolutely. That's beautiful. <laughs> Thanks, AJ. I appreciate it, man. Take it easy. All right. Two, three, nine, ten, <laughs> That's I got. Hey, listen, if, if Kyle, if you call Kyle and put miles down, you're probably going to the front of the line on the show. Seriously. If I look up and it says Miles, I'm going right to you. How long? Six minutes of anything goes? Well, let me take a break and make sure I secure that full six minutes. Full six minutes of power whether anything goes coming up after six. 93.5107.5 The Fan. Stay right there. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Ride with JMV. And the beat goes on, yeah. And the beat goes on. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Now, somebody inside the lounge via YouTube Live, I think it was Ron Richardson. I was bringing up Bloomington movie theaters of the past and present. Yeah, the Von Lee. The Von Lee now is a noodles and company there. Uh, Indiana and Kirkwood. You know what I'm talking about. Right next to People's Park where everybody used to play hacky sack. Maybe they still do. I um, I got you because there was, if you remember back in the day, and I don't know, maybe you're too young to remember this, but if you're my age, probably at least once you did a sneak in the back door for a movie at the Von Lee. And for me, for me, that was Pet Cemetery and Lost Boys. That was a little backdoor sneak in without paying at the Von Lee back in the day. Von Lee was great. Saw 48 hours, Kyle, on the Von Lee. I saw the long riders. Even I saw all the full Monty in the Von Lee, Boogie Nights in the Von Lee. Great place. It's now a noodles and company, however where you can go and pay $9 for macaroni and cheese. When's the last time you went to Noodles & Company and paid $9 for mac and cheese? I used to go to Noodles & Company a lot. I paid like 6 bucks for a meal, but that was uh, years ago. Yeah, 9 bucks for mac and cheese yeah, now, no. I think. The Wisconsin mac and cheese, which means we're going to throw a little bit of cheese on it and melt it on this elbows. See, that's not worth it. I would get the uh, penne rosa, a little bit of spice. Oh, really? Noodles & Company. You can get craft box and mac and cheese for a buck. I think the one downtown closed over here, right? Off of Washington. Yeah. I think it closed. Yeah, my kids go through phases. So it used to be Noodles and Company and Five Guys. And now, for some reason, man, Blake's like dialed into KFC. 
the hell's going on around here? I think it's because Jack Harlow had a meal last month or something. Does he just get a bucket of chicken? <laughs> Give me the six-piece dark. <laughs> you know how much a, like, a bucket of chicken meal is for a family? It's like $44 now. What? That was always a big deal it when was. you ask mom and dad, hey, what, what do you want to do for dinner tonight? Oh, can we get KFC? Oh, man, those mashed potatoes. Much like when I'm in my 20s, it's a race family-wise for the breast, too. You know what I mean? I mean, you don't want to get stuck with a drumstick. I don't <laughs> Seriously. I always think that one of their cheaper meals is the thigh and the drumstick. Oh, man. There's going to be, like, no meat on that. None. Yeah, but sometimes you get that chicken breast and it's so dry. It's like you need oh, a no, gallon of man, water just big, to get a piece yeah. down. The big chicken breast, I'm all about that. I'd rather pay for two breasts than I would for the entire bucket, which is very familiar. Abe is at 239-1070. Abe, join the show. Hey, how's it going, JMV? Thanks for taking my call. You got it. You got it. I just uh, wanted to say uh, you hit it right on the head, man. This team, the Colts, are absolutely in tank mode. Uh, The minute that they sat Matt Ryan – uh, and went with Sam Ellinger. I knew that that's what was going on. They just didn't come out and say it. I'm curious as to your thoughts on the press conference. I haven't heard too many people talk about it, but uh, the last comment that Ursay made before they wrapped the press conference when he asked Jeff Saturday if he had talked to Peyton yet, I'm curious to know your thoughts because to me it looks as if from his body language, Ballard is uh, is, is a dead man walking and he – probably already knows that his job is over and um curious if, if you wonder if yeah. you know if they already made that call to Peyton and you know he's got to finish up his um you know his Manning cast yeah to, to me Manning Manning wants to be an owner someplace and it's not uh, going to be here and somebody had asked me that Abe and it's an honest question from you Abe right here regarding you know Peyton Manning and that I I think that that ship sail I think the moment and and this is I know he comes back and I know he's you know jovial here and always a great dude but I do think being a part of this in any form or fashion probably sailed when they fired him back in the day so that wouldn't surprise me because I, I don't think you ever get over anything like that if you're Peyton Manning especially so yeah, I, yeah, but I do know this. I, I think that I think that he knew. I think that he had heard about this, even though on the Manning cast on Monday night he said that that he didn't. And I think the other aspect is I don't know if Chris Ballard believes he's going to be done at the end of the year. I think what you saw on that stage on Monday night was more a guy that completely disagreed with the subject matter of the evening, was in complete disagreement on the path of this team. And then, you know, maybe he's finding out that his authority certainly uh, had been slighted, subtracted, and that's probably not going to lead to anywhere good. But that was a guy that just did not believe in the decision, to me, that was being made. Got it. Abe, you call any time. Thank you very much, my friend. I appreciate that. you get the honest Abe reference right there? I worked that in. I think Jake Query somewhere is proud of that. You guys want to do some Anything Goes, 239-1070? I haven't done anything goes in a couple of months right here. Anything goes, which I'm assuming you guys would be locked and loaded for right here. Got about six minutes of it, so we'll get the Colts Daily Update, Pacers Nuggets, bottom of the hour. Anything goes at 239-1070. A little extra time next.
Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com.